0: Welcome to Craft of Code, a podcast brought to you by Linode that explores the stories of developers, entrepreneurs, and enterprises of all sizes from all over the world who share our mission to make cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible to all. There are lots of benefits for smaller companies in moving to the cloud businesses of all sizes need to be quick and agile to stay competitive and with security breaches becoming more prevalent than ever the added security offered by moving your business to the cloud is driving most small and medium-sized business owners to consider their cloud alternatives but the jump into the cloud can be intimidating business owners who have servers in the back room probably have someone they call when they run into problems when they move to the cloud how can they be sure their software is updated when needed How do they know they're not paying for more services than they need? And what do they do in the unlikely event that their data is compromised? This is where managed cloud infrastructure providers really shine. My guest today, StablePoint, is one of the best. StablePoint takes the overwhelm out of moving to the cloud by taking care of the smaller day-to-day stuff like email account maintenance. But they also do the more complex tasks, like scaling the company's infrastructure up or down as business needs change. They also manage hard stuff like storage for that oh-so-important customer data, and they ensure costs are kept under control along the way, something every business owner is keeping an eye on today. My guest is Dom Taylor, the founder and CTO of StablePoint. They're based in London, and he's here to talk with me about the intricacies of running a scalable, global-managed hosting platform serving customers all over the world. Welcome to the Craft of Code, Dom. Hiya, uh, how you doing? good so StablePoint launched in 2019 uh back when aws and google cloud uh, were the providers of choice for many managed hosting providers what were the early days of your business like moving businesses to the cloud
1: well early on we had um a number of customers who used legacy infrastructure um either in their own offices or their own small data centers um or they had aging hardware with legacy providers that they were still paying you know top dollar for and they wanted to see how they could modernize um reduce their costs and increase their performance
0: and reliability at the same time right i think they were storing a lot of if i understand correctly at that time most people were customers are storing a lot of small files and a lot of that provisioning was probably pretty expensive yeah, so
1: we do lots of uh, emails and lots of uh, websites, lots of uh, WordPress and e-commerce. So WooCommerce, um, Magento, Joomla, all the popular yeah. software.
0: Nice. So what are some of the unique requirements when you're dealing with uh, managing small files like that? Is it, you know, I mean, is is, is, is I mean, reliability must be critical at that point. Yeah, reliability is
1: very important because when we've got... Um, a large inbox, for example, say you've got fifty gigabytes of email or one hundred gigabytes of email, <clears throat> um, that will usually be distributed across lots of small files. Um, well, some cases, some cases, larger files, attachments, and so on. But most of it is basically small text files, and um, that brings some challenges because you can't just put that on object storage like a lot of people thought we could. You know, I've talked to some cloud providers, and they said, "Well, why don't you use our?" object storage, why are you using a file system? But the latency is far too high. You can't, you know, if you load your inbox, you want it there straight away. You can't um, you can't be waiting
0: five, 10 seconds. And, and what about consistency, right? Because when you're talking about something like that, you, like, you just you just mentioned it, right? It's like, you, can, you don't want to wait. You need to be consistent uh, across servers, I would imagine, right?
1: Yeah, so you need everything in one place. You need it all um, in one location on some fast storage, um and you want to have you know at least some assurance that it's replicated um you know it's not just on one single hard disk somewhere um you know in a back office that might you know overheat or you know die one day like a hard disk um you know especially years ago the hard disks you know lots of moving parts they would just fail um so yeah you want some kind of um replicated not necessarily completely high availability but you want you know, the basics to be there. You want low latency and um, some kind of replication. So you've got more than one
0: physical, um, uh, you know, item storing your data. I go back to, I go back to the uh, five and a quarter inch floppies. So yeah, I know what you're <laughs> talking there. <laughs> and, uh, you yeah, know, and, and, you know, and then we moved up to, you know, traditional block storage, which is often slow because it's backed by, you know, spinning disks. Uh, and, now we're but now we're moving on up into you know into object and, and others for local storage. Talk to me a little bit about the you know the importance of uptime for your customers. Um, I mean,
1: apart from uh, cost and um, obviously uh, performance, I think the uptime is the most easily visible and highest impact um, part of the whole equation, really, um, because our entire job running someone's online presence or their email accounts. And, um, you know, every every minute those are down, um, either the end user or their customer, someone sat waiting for something to, you know, to pick up again. They can't take orders. They can't run their business. So um, uptime and anything we can do to increase it is
0: um, it's the thing I get after about the most, basically. It's the most important thing. And would second be latency? because I know that's latency tends to be vital for a lot, for a lot of, for a lot of customers. Talk to me a little bit about how things changed when NVMe block storage uh, came into the picture.
1: Sure. So um, we obviously did use the older Linode storage backed with the hard disks. Um, and we've used other cloud providers um, storage systems before they were solid state as well. And, you know, they are they're very good in some ways because it's more cost effective. Um, but we had to compensate for the slow disks by using more RAM, um, possibly more CPU time, more caching and things like that. So it makes the operations a lot more complicated. So when you know that the disk is there and the latency is low and you can retrieve, you know, whatever you need um, in a sensible time frame, then it keeps everyone happy. And especially um, we don't just store data now. We also retrieve it quite a lot because we scan it for malware, vi- viruses. We uh, back it up. Um, so having the NVMe and the extra capacity there lets us do all these other operations on top of just storing the data and just retrieving it. It means we can, um,
0: you know, we can do a lot more with it without impacting the actual live performance. Speaking of performance, what sort of, you know, do, are there any, you know, are there any um, <clears throat> metrics that you've seen in terms of um, throughput or um, IOPS improvement?
1: I mean, we easily get, I think, 10 times, if not more, um, the IOPS that we did before from the old Linode storage. Um, It's not even something I think about anymore. What we used to have to do before NVMe, so even with SSDs, we had to split things up into separate volumes to get enough performance. Um, But with this latest generation NVMe, it's just so easy. We just provision a volume, and we very, very rarely hit the limits of it. you know, if I can get a couple of thousand IOPS, then that's more than enough for me. And I think that's easily easily 10 times what we got before. And it's, you know, it's a lot easier than us- using some other cloud providers where you've got to look at all these complicated equations to work out how many credits you've got, um, what your burst balance might be, what your performance will be like at the baseline when you've, when you've used up the burst credits. It's just all this management hassle that as a small company, we don't have time for.
0: Talk. I mean, talk to me a little bit, more about that because that's something that we that I, that i see in the industry starting to starting to um trend a little bit is around the you know just look at a lot of customers looking for simplicity that a lot of the cloud stuff has just gotten too complex whether it's the you know just the overall you know menu items on on a product set or um you know or like you were just pointing out how do i figure out my billing
1: yeah exactly i mean in, in some cases you don't you just sort of hope for the end of the month that it's going to be something sensible um because it's <coughs> you know because it's almost a full-time job trying to work that out and i think what some cloud providers um are very good at is um is really decimating everything so billing it in the smallest possible increment that it's really hard for a human to understand um so you don't necessarily know what your bill is going to be or you might think you've got enough for most of your use case. Maybe you've got enough for 95% of your peak workload. But when you hit that other 5%, either your application will slow down or you'll get a much larger bill. Um, it's the simplicity of the, of the Linode
0: systems and pricing um, that it is just a flat fee. Yeah, we all, we, I think a lot of us uh, have seen in the industry that we often forget that there are humans at the ends of the bits and the bytes that, and the ones and the zeros that we deal with
1: yeah exactly i think um lots of these uh, providers that give you a whole menu of options you know it's great for them because there's all different creative ways they can bill you but it's not actually good for you it, it sounds good and the word scalability sounds good but most of the time it just means scalability in billing not just in you know your actual underlying performance or what you're actually getting at the end of the day
0: and, and you meant you know you following on that you mentioned that you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, that you, you've used, uh, you've used other, you know, other providers as well. Is it good to have, you know, how, in your view, is it good to have choice or alternatives in the market? And how do you, and how do you see that playing out across the, the industry? Cause we know we've got the, you know, the, the super scale, uh, providers, and then you've got some folks at the, at the low end, and then you've got, you know, companies like, you know, providers like Linode or DigitalOcean or others that are in this little sweet spot, I think, for a lot of companies?
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, competition is always good. Um, there is not really any one provider that meets every single one of our needs. Um, <clears throat> I would say Linode's pretty close, um, just to keep you happy. But, um, <laughs> 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 but um, you know, DigitalOcean, for example, they've got their block storage and their volume storage um which is great but it's not NVMe so we see slightly higher latency mm-hmm. um yeah it's good to have all these different providers because um we need the competition and we need we need the innovation we don't all want to be paying um the top dollar that um you know that's the direction the market would go if there was no innovation everyone would be paying a lot more and getting a lot less whereas you know in the tech industry we we're all innovators no matter what part of it we're in
0: um, and we should push that as much as we can. Yeah, and that's and that's where that's where the alternatives real having that alternative really really plays out. Yeah. Now I know that you're you're running stable points running in I believe almost every Linode data center according to our folks. You know what other for our listeners what other Linode you know what other services are you using besides uh, NVMe block storage? Um, we're pretty straightforward, really.
1: We um, we use quite a lot of the dedicated CPU. Linodes, Um, just because a lot of what we do is web processing, so we need the dedicated CPU power. Um, Those are great. We find them great value and great performance. Um, We also use the firewalls. Uh, I think we're starting to use the Kubernetes. Our systems don't really run on it. Some of our internal systems do, Um, but we're not really a startup that just runs one app. Um, we run thousands of little apps for all our customers and we just chuck them on the Linodes. Um, Some customers have dedicated systems, but most of them, they just sort of share resources. Um, For us, really, the firewalls are the the most useful thing day to day. Um, Mm -hmm. We get quite a lot of flexibility there that we don't sometimes get with other providers. Um, So, for example, when we get denial-of-service attacks, if they're not filtered out, at the network edge um, by your systems. So, for example, if they're a layer 7 flood um, or they target a port that isn't blocked for some reason, um, we can create quite good rule sets there to let legitimate traffic through. So that that helps us. Um, Yeah, apart from that, we're pretty boring, really.
0: What boring, you know, I'm, I'm of the, I'm in the camp that boring is good. Uh, not, not everybody, you know, I would say not everybody, probably a large percentage of folks don't need to, or have no designs to do quantum computing uh, and use the cloud for that. <laughs> uh, they just want to provide, you know, real solid, real solid business for their customers. And going back to something that, you know, that you and I just talked about is I think that's where, I think that's where that, you know, rooting out the complexity and, and drawing everything back to the simp- to, to simple matters. Exactly,
1: yeah. So the the main thing for us is that, um, like you said, we use almost every Linode data center. Um, wherever our customer happens to be in the world, we know we can spin up a system and we know what the performance will be. Um, we know exactly what we're going to get. We know exactly how much it'll cost. The pricing is flat. Um, I don't think it could be any simpler um the invoicing is really straightforward the support team's always there to help if we do have any questions or you know set up problems or or whatever um and that just helps us spend more time running our business really and less time thinking about the compute capacity side of it and we know that if we do need more capacity it's always available um you know and we haven't
0: sunk money into hardware that we're not going to use that's great yeah one of the other things that I'm one of the other things that I'm see, hearing a lot of in the industry, and again, I go back a little little ways, uh, but I'm seeing a resurgence in talk uh, and chatter about APIs. Uh, and it's starting to you know from Ken, I'm hearing Kinlane Lane uh, coming back into uh, coming back into this and others. How important is you know is, is the API part of the equation for you when dealing with a provider?
1: Um, it's crucial, really, because we use Terraform to provision everything, so we um, we don't do things manually. Um, if I do, I get told off. Um, <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, the API is crucial. Um, in fact, when we first built the prototype of StablePoint, um wasn't on Linux. It was on another alternative cloud provider, but very similar API, very easy to use, very straightforward. Um, as long as there's a Terraform module, um, and then, you know, the backup of the good documentation and straightforward calls, um, you know, that's great for us because we one of the more unusual things we do is we monitor the support tickets with the API, with the Linode right. API, because we run a lot of WordPress, so we get quite a lot of hack sites and quite a lot of phishing and all that kind of stuff. And um, rather than logging into the Linode panel all the time, we, we have a little bot that monitors the Linode tickets for any abuse issues, we chuck them into a Slack channel and, um, well, usually as a human that replies to it, but we actually made another bot to reply to the bot in case there's no human available, but, um, we <laughs> 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 shouldn't tell you that. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but, but Yeah. No, very, very helpful. And it's, it's always nice to have an API that seems like it's written by a human, not by, um, You know, a sales or marketing team trying to lead you down a rabbit hole into spending even more money because you didn't set the right flag on your call or something ridiculous.
0: For our for our listeners, I just want to point out that Dom and I are actual human people. Uh, We are not two bots communicating right now on this podcast. So I'd be remiss if I didn't bring if I didn't ask this question because it's so important to so many customers, uh, and it's something that we I think a lot of people forget about unless they're you know unless it's something to complain about. A lot of times, is the you know is the topic of support. How important is support you know to a to a company like StablePoint?
1: Um, it's very important, really, because it's nice to um, firstly to have someone that has your back in case we do have any obscure questions or problems. Um, And it's nice not to have to pay for an extra support package. Um, With some other providers, we've had issues that haven't been covered by their support packages. They should be things that they'll look into for free, but you know, we've had to argue with the account managers and the other people to get the right team to look at it, even though we don't have the support package because only the support people would realise it would be free. So we've gone around in circles trying to get support that should be free for some obscure bug um and not getting anywhere for days. And it makes us look makes us look silly to our customers. Um so yeah, the, it's nice having a um a friendly team. Um it makes my day a little bit better if I open a ticket and get, you know, a nice friendly reply. Um, doesn't matter what it's about. Um they're always there, they're always helpful. Um, we don't open that many tickets really, because things tend to work.
0: Um, that's the best kind of support.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, that, that's the other side of it. Um, but no, (laughs) we love support teams. I mean, I'm sure our customers come to us for good support, but a lot of them, you know, they'd rather not contact us. They'd rather it just works, but it's nice. Um, you know, it's nice that when you do need help, when you are stuck, um, you know, you've got someone there to help you, and you don't have to to worry about paying thousands of dollars in extra fees um, for things that I think should be included as standard. Because ultimately, the support team's there to help you use the product. Is what our support team is there for for our customers. Um, so it's nice to work with a company that has a similar ethos
0: to us. So you guys have, you've you've sk- you've been you launched in I think it was 2019, and you've really been on a on a tear with uh, scale. Uh, for stable point, any words of wisdom for other companies on a similar growth tra- trajectory?
1: Um, I think the most important thing to do is to keep looking after your customers and keep looking after your platform. Um, be as proactive as you can. Um, the one thing we weren't very good at was looking at trends of support tickets or trends of you know sales inquiries to work out what we're supposed to be selling our customers um, or what our customers are asking us. Um, too often. So uh, it took us a bit of time to get proactive with our knowledge base and actually get all of our staff involved in helping write common FAQs. Um, We're now pretty good at that. We're pretty proactive. It reduces our support load, makes life better for our customers because they can find an answer um, more quickly. And it'll be written by, you know, either me or someone in our support team who, um, you know, handles similar questions every day. Um, the other thing is capacity planning really, um, sometimes we were stuck into long contracts with some cloud providers and you know, they haven't proved to be the right choice, but I'm still paying them because I signed up for a three year deal. Um, so that's where using people like the alternative providers like Linode, um, I think it's just billed every month. I don't think there is a monthly, I don't think there is a six or 12 month commitment available. Um, so that flexibility and keeping control of costs and making sure that your platform can always expand or contract that'll help your cash flow um because for us that is you know very important we don't want to have unused hardware um it's also for our carbon emissions because we offset all of the co2 from all of our compute usage so we calculate that all the time um i think it's on a monthly basis so we don't want to be paying carbon offset unnecessarily because it means, you know, we're effectively paying a carbon offset for workload you know, for workload that isn't actually um or for compute capacity that's not actually being used. Um so yeah, just just keeping an eye on efficiencies and keeping keeping our customers happy really is the key thing to it.
0: There are a lot of moving parts to consider at every stage of uh, business growth. You know, at Linode, we try to make the cloud infrastructure piece as easy as possible for our clients. And we know that's a big benefit uh, your customers have in working with StablePoint as well. We're really happy uh, Linode can be a part of your success, Dom. Uh, really just want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, and where can people find you uh, if they want to follow up with you or want to get to know you, a little, you and StablePoint a little bit better?
1: Uh, we're at stablepoint.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, just Dom Taylor, um, or email dom at stablepoint.com. We've also got a Slack channel. We've got a community Slack. Um, and we've got live chat on our website. Come say hi.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Dom, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: (laughs) No worries. Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to craft of code. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please subscribe to make sure you're the first to hear when we release future episodes. And we'd love it if you left a review.